0: We would be honored if you would join us. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Dungeon Crawlers. That's that's right. It is the time. It is the place that you have been waiting for. That's right. It is time for the Rad Turkey Bowl edition. <laughs> that's right. And if you didn't know, you know, Alton does that with his voice automatically. It's the coolest thing. It's the weirdest thing. He just kind of wobbles his throat way, talks, and it just comes out that way.
1: I spent months in a monastery up in the mountains trying yes. to get all of this down. You know, they talk about throat singing, and that's really only one of a 12-part course that I had to take. <laughs> one in 12 parts <laughs> for ninety nine ninety nine, <laughs> Only for that one part.
0: <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, we've t- we mentioned this before. Uh, we wanted to do something fun for the Thanksgiving holiday, and we were talking about how oh, we should probably do a Rad Dome. But then, you know, the idea of a turkey bowl came up. You know, almost every year, someone is doing some form of a turkey bowl uh, where you're getting together with friends and family. You're out in the cold, in the snow, freezing your butt off, but having fun playing football. Uh, but in this case, we're doing it Rad Dome style, and, and Alton's put together something special. So I'm going to turn it over to him uh, to begin The epicness that
1: is the Rad Dome. Thank you, thank you, thank you, everybody. So glad to see you all this holiday season. Thank you so much for being here, listening to our sultry tones across the airwaves. We're very excited for what we have put together today. Today, I was thinking to myself, one of the best ways to spend a holiday as you're preparing for your meals is maybe turn on a nice video in the background Nothing too campy, but just campy enough that you don't really have to pay too much attention to it. These are going to be things that we love, that just sit in the back of our minds for the rest of the year, that we crack jokes about, still critical parts of our culture. But we are hoping that we can take some of these key lead casts from our favorite movies and think about maybe how they would do as they're together over the holidays. And with that, as always, there are three categories in which our contestants will be pitted against each other. The first is R for Resoluteness. How united and unshakable is your team in achieving its goals over the course of their franchise? Uh, make sure that you bring concrete examples in this category as it's going to be very important to me. Next for A, Arc Attainment. Uh, you need to be able to show how each team is, has helped their members grow over the course of their franchise and how that growth would give them a leg up against the other person's team and finally d for danger in case you haven't figured out the pattern now d is always for danger how do you do that it's a skill it's a blessing and a curse it really really is but at any rate that final round you're going to be going back and forth to figure out which team would come in and clean up the other based on their ability to work together You're going to need to be ready to improvise in a back and forth about taking shots at the other team one character at a time. So, before the episode today, we got everybody together. I put together a list of various movie franchises from which people could select their rosters. And I did eliminate a few key characters uh, just to try to help keep things a little more fair. Uh, But nevertheless, our contestants have come ready to the table. uh, Because Krebs won the last rad dome uh he will be able to choose first and he elected to play first in round r or excuse me he elected to choose his team first and so dan got to choose whether he wanted to go first or second for R resoluteness and he chose to go seconds so in round one we have krebs representing the main cast members of firefly most specifically we're allowing malcolm reynolds kaylee fry jane cobb and rs sarah Wash River and Zoe against Dan, who will be bringing Bill, Ted, and Death to the table. Um, Again, this round is resoluteness. It is all about trying to show how united and unshakable your team is in achieving its goals over the course of its franchise. Krebs, you have two minutes.
2: The crew of Serenity have been brought together through disparate circumstances. Mal Reynolds and Zoe, of course... Lost the battle in the Valley of Serenity when they were still part of the Brown Coats. And of their little uh, Civil War, they were on the side of losing that endeavor. But from that point forward, Mal and Zoe live their lives trying to survive in a world they did not create. It's exactly the opposite of what they wanted. Uh, they are excellent at picking up those characters who are broken and then building a family out of that. I think that shows their resoluteness. There's an episode of Firefly where... Uh, we get to see all of their origins, how they all kind of came together. Kaylee, who was completely objectified as a female, ended up being a brilliant genius when she was in the engine room. You have, uh, a preacher who obviously has the background of a very violent military individual. Now he's living a life of spirituality and peace and only fights as a last resort. These all show, uh, depth of, uh, Commitment to their individual endeavors and their individual life missions. And then, of course, you have Simon, Tam, and River. Simon, who is literally a genius, and River, who makes him pale by comparison. He spends his life protecting a girl who is possibly the most powerful force in the verse. We have an episode of Firefly where... We start off with Mel Reynolds buck naked on a rock, and all he says is, well, that could have gone better. And then we get to see how he gets to that point. And in the end, they still achieve what they set out to do. Uh, he keeps his crew alive, he keeps his crew safe, all while committing various crimes against their uh, unified enemy. And the crew never lets go of each other.
1: Interesting, interesting. Now, over to Dan, let's hear a little bit about Bill and Ted. Now, as a reminder to our listeners out there, uh, each uh, member of our team here does get a chance to represent first, and then afterwards, each will get to make a rebuttal to the other on their points. So, Dan, give us a little bit on the resoluteness of Bill, Ted, and Death.
0: How unshakable is Bill and Ted? They are so unshakable, they are high school students. In the beginning... That everyone discounts them. No one believes in them except for one man who travels back in time in a telephone booth. Many of you may be going, what the crap is a telephone booth? Well, once upon a time ago, there, <laughs> there were these odd things called telephone booths. And if you watch Superman, you'll see that he ducks into one and magically appears out in his uniform. But I digress. A time-traveling telephone booth. Not quite the same as a police box, but that's okay. He comes back, he convinces them that they have created a utopia because of one song. Because of this song, they saved the universe, they saved the world. So these teenagers must go back in time to save the universe. They travel through time, they collect various people from history to side with them. They get Genghis Khan, Napoleon, Abraham Lincoln. They convince, I mean, their personalities are so strong and their purpose is so unshakable that they are able to convince these monoliths of history to their cause. One of them even being Death himself. And Death joins their band. They are able to complete their term paper in, in their second journey. They are able to form a band and create music that is unlike anything you have ever heard. It is just fantastic. And these are people that, you know, These both men, Bill and Ted, are someone that you would probably go like, yeah, who are these these weirdos? But they are so unshakable in their faith, in their direction and their purpose, that they don't let anyone, including Bill's or Ted's own father, that is constantly, you know, telling him, that he's an idiot go get a real job you know and then of course uh you know bill's dad that marries uh you know someone that they went to uh, high school with um which even then he's just like i'm not gonna let that bring me down we are musicians we are the wild stallions and we rule
1: excellent thank you very much both for your opening statements uh krebs would you like to give a small rebuttal
2: yeah, I think that the problem with Bill and Ted, I think I think where their weakness comes in, I definitely acknowledge their resoluteness. They did fight death. They came back from the land of the dead to be part of the living. But the truth about Bill and Ted is that they're just too dumb to do otherwise. Like, they are... Utterly the epitome of being burnouts. This was at a time when showing drug use in a film meant for like teens and youth was not popular, but it's obviously hinted at uh, many times in the first two films, and they are absolutely stupid human beings. They are lucky beyond all belief, but they're not intelligent. When they fight when they fight death, they have to like play him uh, against all these like various board games, right? Uh, but it ends up that the death they have in this film is a patsy anyway and just can't seem to win even a simple game of checkers. I think they even lose a game of life, ironically, right? Uh, Or he loses a game of life. And then uh, if you look at the third film, where are they? They are musicians, but they're playing bands and bar mitzvahs, and they still, in their 40s, have not done the thing they were told they were going to do. They still haven't done it yet. They
0: are complete failures to launch. Damn. Mm. What do you have to say? Well, my rebuttal is: Isn't everyone on the Firefly exactly that? Failures in their own life that have come together, that have banded together, and still struggle to just survive. I mean, they are exactly what Bill and Ted are. The only difference is Bill and Ted have purpose. They have focus. You know, the the crew of the you know of the Serenity. Is just aimlessly wandering around the universe, just trying to find food, you know, a job so that they have gas in their tank so they can get to the next planet. They don't have any focus or aim. But Bill and Ted do. They have a purpose. And even though, you know, they're playing bar mitzvahs and that, they still know they have to write that song. They have to complete their task. And even though there's a falling out with death, they still, they make up, they bring death back into the band and they create the song with the help of others and restored the, you know, the universe.
1: Fair enough. Fair enough. Excellent. Well, I will definitely be taking some time to tabulate on all of this, but as always, each of you will get a chance to score the other person. Um, so we're going to start with the crew of the firefly Krebs on a scale of one to 10. What's the honest ranking you'd give your team? Let's see. Scale of one to 10 for
2: resoluteness. Um, I'm going to go strong with an eight. They live in a constantly hostile environment because they're on the losing side of history. Um, And now they're transporting uh, a bioweapon made by their enemies that they have come to consider family and must protect at all costs. If you take that through the film Serenity, which uh, Joss Whedon has said was essentially a synopsis of the second season that he had planned anyway, um, they all take turns saving. is shown across that entire
0: story arc from season one through the film.
1: Dan, how would you rate the crew of the Firefly on a scale of 1 to 2?
0: As much as I love this franchise, I would have to go a 3. They are constantly bickering with one another. Jane is trying to wrestle power from Mal. Uh, You know, Inara is not on board. She's taken off. She's there. Uh, You know, they don't know what's going on uh, with the doc. Uh, oh. And his sister, there's they're they're not a cohesive unit, um, you know. Which in my mind, when you say resoluteness and united and unshakable, they are the farthest thing from united and you know a unified front. They are mm. very yeah. You know, takes is a few things, and Jane's off on his own, you know. Look, yeah, you know, looking for his gun. Him and, and Vera, yeah. Him and Vera are gonna <laughs> yeah. You know, they're gonna take over. So I don't feel like they are that resolute united team that they could be.
1: Excellent. Uh, Dan, Bill and Ted on a scale of 1 to 10. Bill and
0: Ted, I think they are an 8. You know, it, it, Even though they are not the brightest matches in the matchbook, they are very united. They are there for one another, even when they add in death. Uh, they, they have their goal, and they are willing to bend and break time space and all reality to reach that goal and we definitely see that in the third movie where they try to go visit themselves all over the place so they can get that song. Uh
2: for Bill and Ted honestly, I think I would give them I think I would give them a 6 and the reason is they only get that focused when some time traveler from the future comes back to tell them exactly what they've accomplished. They can't tell them how to do it. They can't tell them, they can't give them the answers, but they come back and they tell them, Hey, you did this thing, but now we need you to do it. You haven't done it yet, but you're going to, but you need to do it now. And so if they're lorded over by some future person who already knows the outcome, then they'll do the thing. Um, it makes me really curious, um, you know, if, if they actually would have pulled it off had they not had babysitters from the future come back to the past. And I think Kristen Shaw's presence in this, in the third movie suggests that if she hadn't come back, maybe they never would have gotten around to it.
1: Excellent. Excellent. Thank you both for your time on this so far doing a uh, quick tabulation of some of the points here. And uh, we will talk about the bonuses at the end as to what really came to everything here. But a, a couple of thoughts that I had, I definitely do appreciate, um, the uh the crew the serenity everyone wants a little serenity in the holidays it's just Mm -hmm. what we look for um and and although i very much do agree that there is a lot of interesting drama and character complexity this is cranberry sauce that's still coming out of the can for me um the turkey is out and done and although failure may bring us together it often brings us together at denny's diner so something (laughs) to consider there and, and they have no chocolate milk or turkey. It's true. Regular it's true. milk is fine. Yep. Um, and <laughs> I'm so of, glad you got that reference and, right there. <laughs> and, and at the end of the day, um, I don't feel like they're not... Or I feel like they're not really aiming. They're just misbehaving. Um, <laughs> on the opposite side of things, uh, Ringo Starr is a beautiful man.
2: He is.
1: Not a doctor. No. Nevertheless... He is someone who I would consider to be excellent in a phone booth. Um, This is really a swan song, even though we're looking for turkey. And Lincoln, who did join the adventure, to your point, certainly knew how to cook one. Yes, he did. Um, Now, fighting death isn't something that I necessarily consider wise. This is really how you get a holiday on drugs. And that's how the movies feel to me, though I did enjoy the third movie. And there's something important to be said about having three movies over 40 years Versus a canceled TV show and uh, half a film, kind of. <laughs> um, so, uh, with all of that in mind, uh, I actually do have to give this round to Dan. Bill Ted and Death take Yay. round one. There it is. Now, Beautiful victory, Dan. Excellent. <laughs> in oh, round yes. two, we are talking about arc attainment. Yes. Now, arc attainment. You guys are going to need to be able to show how each team helped their members grow over the course of their franchise and how that growth is going to give them a leg up against the other team. In round two for Arc Attainment, Dan will be going first, representing Ghostbusters, specifically the four main leads Egon Spangler, Dr. Peter Venkman, Ray Stance, and Winston Zeddemore against Krebs, who will be talking about Galaxy Quest, specifically Mathazar and Gwenda marco jason nesmith guy fliegman and sir alexander dane keep in mind that this is not the persona of the characters themselves on the tv show that is a historical document it's the actors it's the actors themselves um and so i did allow math as to be included as part of that crew because i think that it helps to uh round out some of the nuttiness with True. just a little bit of flavor nevertheless dan right. you have two minutes so the Ghostbusters, it's very simple. They start off
0: as you know, professors of unusual uh, backgrounds. And we see them in the very beginning get fired. They have no jobs. They have nothing in their lives. And slowly, bit by bit, because of an instance in the New York library, they decide to create the Ghostbusters. And each character, throughout the you know throughout the movies, uh, if, even if we include the cartoons and the comic book series, uh, how they you know they teach one another things, they help one another. Uh, you know, I'll just limit to the movies. We see character growth um, in, in Peter Venkman that goes from kind of a douchebag. Womanizer to someone that is actually cares about his team cares about other people uh, We see Egon that goes from a very loner uh, he, he sticks to himself he, he Become an individual that has friends that has a purpose that is surrounded by people that care and love for him uh, Ray, you know, he's kind of the heart. I would say of the group. He's the guy that really kind of pulls them together He he teaches them to be better than they are but at the same time, even Ray has his issues. He's very uh, antisocial in some ways and awkward. Um, you know, there are there are many points where he causes more problems than he probably should. You know, like the whole buying of the firehouse. You know, they're like, "Yeah, I'm not sure if I want this." And he comes down. It's like, "Oh, we should get this. This is great." Um, but again, he's still that heart and that soul. And then we bring in Winston. Which is kind of our normal everyday guy. He brings these guys that are so out there because of their, you know, how smart they are and their professions, Uh, he brings them down to a level of normalcy. But when it all comes down to it, there are two simple rules when it comes to uh, growing over the course. One, when anyone asks you if you're a god, you say yes. (laughs) And two, these guys are probably the only ones in the entire known re- universe, galaxy, reality itself that have saved reality twice from the forces of darkness and the other side. That's really hard to beat. And you can only do that when you have a moral compass like Rey, when you have ingenuity and, in- and ingeniousness of Egon, you have a charismatic leader, like Peter, and you have the everyday Joe that holds it all together like the wonderful glue that he is, Winston. Excellent.
1: Krebs, you have two minutes. I've
2: long loved the Galaxy Quest film because of its breadth of arc. Uh, You have, in the very beginning, you have a troop of actors, people who are paid to deceive to to portray people they are not they are there to portray human experience in various scenarios and we start with this group of star trek like uh so uh, the star trek like troop of actors that are playing various characters in this sci-fi show that is long since dead but of course still has a fandom and the only thing that ever brings them together at the same time is a paycheck and a convention they're not really there for each other each one of them is there for their own sustenance. Some, you know, you have some friendliness in the group. But of course, Jason uh, Nesmith, who uh, is played by um, Tim Allen, Uh, He plays the captain on the show, and of course, his ego trumps all things, right? But then they meet an actual alien race. They're taken onto a ship that is manufactured after their show's vessel. Everything on the ship is modeled after their series that they lived for a decade, you know? And uh, And then they have to overcome first their disbelief. They know that the show they've made is fake, but now they're on a real vessel, really in space, with real aliens in real conflict. They must transition from being actors who deceive to actors who are now playing a very real role in the lives of another species. Over that time, they overcome their own quibbles and uh, their own pride, their own character shortcomings. Gwen takes her role on the ship seriously, um, even though she knows it was uh, an objectified, sort of trivial token piece. Um, uh, Alan Rickman's character... Uh, Sir Dane, he uh overcomes the tropishness uh the 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 sort of um The pride that he takes in his acting that makes him despise the things that he has to say, he uses that to comfort another creature as it's dying, to give it like his dying wish. Um, He fights real aliens. And of course, you get to Jason Nesmith, who goes from being a stuffed shirt of a captain to being a real leader among his people, sacrificing his life, activating the Omega 13, coming back from all that and saving everyone, and then congratulating his team on being an actual team. I think that shows an enormous
0: character growth across every character. Thank you very much. Dan, rebuttal. You know, this is a really hard one because you have a great crew. um, And it is a great movie. There are a few things that are lacking. Uh, Unfortunately, Gwen, I don't really feel like she ever grew in her character. She did the same thing she did previously, repeated the computer. Yes, that was her one job, but she didn't really try to change it. You know, we have Guy that shows up and he's just some extra, but he tries to be something more. Yes, he freaks out, but then it takes the the the, the engineering chief to say, but what if you're not the extra? You know, the engineering chief, he definitely, he grows, he, he evolves. I definitely agree with you that... Uh, Jason Nesmith, Tim Allen's character does grow. Does, so does Alan Rickman's because he, you know, he's gotten to this point where he's typecast into this character, and he's stuck and he hates it. But then it takes the death of this alien that does believe in him more than he believes in himself to really is wow. This character has meaning, which is really sad because, you know, how many hundreds of thousands of other fans that have come to him adoring and show it saying how much they his character has meant. It takes someone dying in his arms to finally come to that realization and that story, you know, come to that point. Um, so it's really tough. I, but I would have to say those are the minor things that I don't see. those. That's where the failure is. So it's really hard to, to argue against you on this one uh, because you do bring up some good points. These characters do have some great arcs, most of them. Some of them lack, and that's kind of where I would say the it's not a full, you know, bouquet of flowers, but it's pretty dang close. Krebs, a rebuttal.
2: First, to rebut that uh, that comment, and, and by the way, thank you for acknowledging some of the character shifts there. Um, Mathazar. Mathazar is an alien who comes from a race. That does not understand what pretending is or, yeah. what, or what imagination is. And then by watching examples of his heroes, he learns, he invents for his species the ability to deceive. It's something that they're incapable of and he invents it. I think that's an enormous character leap. In discussing Ghostbusters, uh, a group of people that I have admired, you know, I mean, I know, I know they're fictional characters, but I, I've admired them for most of my life. I saw both Ghostbusters films in theaters when I was a kid. Love them. Love them. Um but I have to acknowledge that between Ghostbusters 1 and Ghostbusters 2, I don't really see an enormous shift in characters. Vankman is still uh, at the very least he keeps up a shallow facade. Um he's he kind of puts his womanizing aside. He focuses a little bit more on um, <laughs> Gwen DeMarco. No, uh, he focuses a little bit more on on the love interest in the film. Um, oh my gosh, her name is escaping me right now, and she's very famous. Uh, Sigourney Weaver. Sigourney Weaver. Thank you. I just I, cu- I kept going. Sybil Shepherd. I'm like, no, that's not right. Yeah. Um, Dana. Thank you.
0: I know. <laughs> <laughs> there Dana. is no Zool.
2: <laughs> Dana. There is no yeah. Zul right. Um, he kind of puts his womanizing aside and focuses on Dana. I get that. But in terms of being someone that you can go to, that you can hold confidence with, that doesn't really change. Ray is still the heart in both movies. In fact, he brings them together when they're covered in the anger slime. Um, he figures it out because he's the heart of the team. Winston is the tough and he remains tough in both films. Vankman is the nerd and the engineer and he remains the nerd and the engineer in both movies. I don't see a huge, uh transition in character it's more about uh their change comes in the form of their skill set not in their character
1: interesting points everybody thank you so much for your thoughts so far today um now is the time where we get to start to assign arbitrary points uh dan on a scale of one to ten ghostbusters in terms of arc attainment over the course of their franchise
0: Uh, i'm gonna say an eight still um you're right, there, there is a little bit of a dip. Like any group, you're going to have those highs and those lows. But you know, even though it dips a little bit, they come back. They do come back. And they are able to make the Statue of Liberty come in and save the day. How <laughs> many people can say that? And save reality. But yeah, eight. Uh, I, still, I still believe there is that story arc between them over the course of that time.
1: Krebs on a scale of one to ten.
2: Uh, with the Ghostbusters, if we look at the growth as their ability to believe the unbelievable, then I could agree. Um, I might put them closer to a seven. I, I'm going to go with seven. If, if we're looking at their ability to believe the unbelievable, to face the impossible, um, they transition enormously. Um, uh, well, Enormously, he's a little strong. But they do make a rather large leap. Uh, Vankman goes from being a skeptic testing psychic abilities who fudges the test so he can get a chick, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, he goes from that to, like, facing down Vigo in the next film, right? Like Yeah, I mean, he...
0: Zool and... He, you know, he's and fighting ghosts, even yeah. though he's
2: a skeptic when it comes to human psychic ability. So I think there are some... I think that there are some... Leaps there. So if we're looking at their ability to believe, I would give it a seven. If we're looking at their actual character shift, it's more like a three for me.
1: Thank you very much. Uh, Krebs.
2: Um, Galaxy Quest, It that was an easy pick for me. Uh, I, in terms of character growth, I'm going to give a nine. Uh, their ability to help each other uh, fulfill their arc, and um, as as the wording here goes... Uh, the team helps their members grow over the course of their franchise and how that growth would give them a leg up Um, I think how they helped each other change and grow as a team not just as individuals but as a group I I give it a 9, they made a huge leap there
0: Dan I'm going to go with an 8 just because there are a couple members that just don't still get it You know, Gwen still doesn't have any character growth um tommy weber you know he he gets it towards the end but you know even when he's being trying to push and you know he's still he's just not quite there i think everyone else does a great job at growing uh especially with the help of everyone else uh, in the team it's just those couple uh that really don't fulfill their their need and their destiny
2: that's true tommy's growth comes in the
0: form of being able to pull out of space dock versus dodge mines right? Yeah, like that's yeah. his growth that's it um <laughs> which i would if we could have seen more i i think we'd be closer to a nine
2: if it was an actual series versus a movie i think we would have yeah. seen more yeah yeah
1: excellent thank you both a couple of quick notes for you uh i i do appreciate you, mess, you mentioned the fact that uh, the Ghostbusters started in a pretty low spot. Yes. Uh, professors X, all of them. Uh, and unfortunately, even though some of you may say that you ain't afraid of no bloat, this film has not aged particularly well. <laughs> and perhaps with a little less time in the Ecto Cooler before it came back out, it might have done a little bit better. Um, also... The uh, I know that we're not talking about that particular crew, but uh, the reboot does not...
0: No, 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 no. That's that's not even it. That a... doesn't exist. No, no, no okay, okay, that okay. is a paranormal movie, that's it.
2: <laughs> yep. But the new one, the new third film looks amazing.
1: When it comes out, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> but there is something uh, very important that did earn you a number of bonus points. Uh, one of the secret items that I was looking for is uh, the reference... Uh, what? how do you answer when someone asks you if you are a god yeah and uh naturally the answer is always
0: the answer is always
1: yes <laughs> and so you can uh, do
0: that with your voice too Gosh, I know it's awesome
1: it. and so that did earn you a grundle of bonus points um uh however there are still some ghosts in the closet for me so you're right that's fine don't don't feel too confident in that oh i forgot Um, about slimer and everything else dang on on the opposite side of things um i i do very much uh, uh though i though it's not a trope that i personally relate to i know that it is an extremely relatable position to be coming to your first contact family dinner pretending to be something that you're not um and that, that really creates sometimes an unconventional arc, let's say, uh, in which you leave bits of your old self behind. Um, I also did appreciate a, another secret reference on your side of things. Um, Gwen has one character trait. It's stupid, but she's going to hold on to it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, also, rest in peace, Alan Rickman. I yes. love that man to bits amazing actor and uh i've spoken many times with my wife about how i think that there could be a uh galaxy quest sequel and it would have to open at uh his character's funeral yes. with a line of people in costume each coming up one at a time muttering by grapthar's hammer as they walk past the casket. you shall be avenged <laughs> <laughs> And just having somebody quietly shake their head and say he, he wouldn't want this any other way. And everybody just turns and looks at him and says, N-no. no. 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 <laughs> um, but uh, that does score you an omega 13 bonus points. So Thank congratulations you. Wait, there. did you just
2: undo the last 13 seconds of my points?
1: He did. <laughs> you lost all those points. <laughs> and your entire argument. <laughs> no. But uh, nevertheless, round two goes to Krebs.
0: I am not surprised by that, to be honest, because uh, they are definitely a... You know, that's, that's a powerhouse team, really. It is, uh, it is really hard. I don't, I don't care who you are. When you're comparing Alan Rickman to Bill Murray, I'm going to lose. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, that I, I got very fortunate on the team pick for, for that category. Yes.
1: Yeah. So, friends, we come to round three. Uh, Krebs since you got to choose at the beginning of the game and you won the last round dan will get to decide whether he wants to uh play first or rebut first in round three
0: uh you just confused me would you like to make opening
2: statement first or would you like to make the rebuttal statement so do you want to go first or second in the
0: opening statement well, I obviously want to go second. There you go. <laughs> okay. There you go. okay. I was confused because, like, rebuttal. Wait a minute. Th- those are together. the yeah, at yeah. second. Yeah, so, I get it. So, uh,
1: the reason that I ask this is because we're introducing some new and complicated rules <gasps> for round 3D for danger. Dang it. Dang it. <laughs> I hate danger. <laughs> danger. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, each of you had a uh, group a specific number of characters Mm -hmm. uh, in front of you you will each need to ultimately choose three of them here's how this is going to work this is going to be a rapid fire round you get a minimum of 30 seconds no more than a minute to be able to in this danger round Have one of your team members enter the arena and make a move against the opposing team. Again, uh, this is the danger round, and we need to be able to see which team is going to come in and clean up the other based on their ability to work together. Wait, wait, Wait a minute. Three members, they go in one at a time? Yes.
2: Crap. Yipes. So My team works as a team.
1: I'm gonna give you Ooh. I'm gonna give you a solid couple of seconds to think about which three team members you're going to bring into the arena. I'm going to ask about I've
0: them. already got the three team members. It's just what order are they gonna go in now?
1: Mm. Now the good news, Dan, is that because you will get to send a member in second, that may give you a little bit of juice to be able to decide. But remember that that also means that Krebs may be able to checkmate you. And as always, the Rad Dome is full of surprises. There are secret points to be earned, as well as low blows and things that the crowd may or may not like. So, with that in mind, uh, Krebs, who are your three people?
2: Out of the cast of Little Shop of Horrors, the 1980-something Rick Moranis remake, I chose Audrey, Audrey 2, and Seymour.
1: And Dan...
0: So, uh, because I'm going with the cast of Labyrinth, I have picked Jareth, Ludo, and Didymus. That's going to be a hard fight for me.
2: (laughs) Jareth, Ludo, and Didymus. Jeez, Menezes.
1: Excellent. I I think that this is going to be a fairly fun fight. A hush falls over the arena. The lights go down for a moment, and the spotlight shines in the center. Good evening. Up first in the arena... Coming from Little Shop of Horrors,
2: Audrey, in her 1950s Donna Reed dress, enters the arena from the west.
1: And what is the shot that Audrey would like to take at the opposing team? She fires super empathetic victim
2: female at your team. (laughs) Now, the reason this is effective is because Jareth is moved by the beauty of women. Ludo is also a protector of of the female species. And Didymus, with his chivalry and code of honor, will absolutely do no harm to Audrey. But if they do, there are consequences.
1: Hmm. Excellent. And then from the opposite side of the arena, someone enters.
0: I'm going to be sending in... Ludo
2: interesting
0: because along with Ludo comes his howling ability to bring in rocks to pour down out of the arena or to surround Audrey he will howl and bring the rocks down and surround her so that she is trapped he will no longer be in, entranced by her look and not only that eh, she doesn't look quite like Sarah so that's okay Plus, not only that, as the rocks come in, the bog of eternal stench will surround her, trapping her in the fumes of nasty, gory, the worst ever, cutting the cheese, passing the gas, farting, whatever you want to call it, she will be trapped there in that stench where she gags and chokes and falls to her knees. Uh, objections. Beautiful. Okay.
2: Ludo cannot control the Bog of Eternal Stench. Only rocks and only the rocks in the environment. He can't craft them.
0: That, that's fine. The rock, the rocks come in. But they would have come from the Bog of Eternal Stench, thus still carrying the stench. The rocks will stink. If those <laughs> okay. are the
2: rocks he summoned, th- those rocks will stink. Yes.
1: Fair enough. So, Ludo and Audrey are both in the arena. Audrey trying to look simple and plain. And, oh, I'm don't just a simple goyle. <laughs> Ow! <laughs> let's be friends
0: oh this is even better <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay but the fight is not over despite the fact that in round one Audrey does indeed become trapped in the rocks surrounded mm-hmm. by stench nevertheless someone is coming to her aid that would be Seymour
2: who enters the scene with a fire axe you see Suddenly, Sim- C- Seymour. Suddenly, Seymour. Right. He's right there beside me. <laughs> now, the thing about Seymour is that he's an unassuming individual. He looks like a weak little lad. But the power of Seymour comes in his love for Audrey the First. Anytime she's endangered, anytime she is injured, anytime she is in threat, something happens to Seymour. And he is capable genuinely of homicide. With his fire axe, he leaps to battle to defend the one woman on this planet that he would literally kill for. And Ludo, friend of the rocks, is not impervious to a
0: fire axe. That is true. However, Didymus comes in, because he will fight for the right and fight as one! What are you
2: doing to my brother?
0: Yes, my brother! (laughs) I will defend him with my life! That is right. That is what Didymus does. And not only that, he is everywhere. He is a blur of motion and... How know, about you? Yeah, yeah. His rapier is whipping all over the place, blocking the fire axe, poking Seymour all over the place to the point that he is bleeding. He is on the verge of collapse. And the only thing Didymus can do is smile because he has defended his brother in arms.
2: Which is when Audrey Perry's with damsel in distress, nope. she's, she's still, still behind rocks. Yeah, but she can be heard. She's um, not in a soundproof I, I, environment. I,
1: I would like to uh, also make the point, just as a mm, point yes, of order, yes. that uh, Krebs did explicitly say that Axe beat Rock. <laughs> so there may be some way for her to get out. Seymour can She is, however, quite smelly. She
2: does not smell good. Yeah. But Didymus <laughs> cannot smell the bog of eternal stench. It smells like spring flowers to him. But what he can't abide is a woman in danger, especially when she explains that she was unprovokedly attacked by his brother.
0: <gasps> but see, that's okay. There is there is a, a good side to this. Yeah, yeah tell me about she that, She looks please. like a goblin. She doesn't. Look like a goblin. Have you not seen her? Have you seen Donna Reed? With her pale face, her sunken eyes. No, that makes her a zombie, not a goblin. Still the same. Okay, even better. She's a she's she's an undead zombie. If, Thus she must be destroyed.
2: If he can And as smell. a valiant
0: knight defending his brother, <laughs> he will slay the undead.
2: If he can't smell the bog of <laughs> eternal stench, and if he can look on Ludo as a brother, he can hear the cries of a woman and, and have compassion.
0: But the undead could sound like a woman, and he would not
2: be fooled. I'm afraid her bleeding would indicate that she is
1: not undead. As Didymus stands contemplating (laughs) whether or not he is going to be trying to assist this woman zombie thing or not, the echoing crash resounds through the stadium of none other than... Audrey 2, the
2: enormous alien species who is a carnivorous Venus flytrap. Crawling upon her vines and her roots, escaping the confines of her pot, she is now a ferocious carnivorous predator who has a certain loyalty, if that of a more of like a puppeteer to Seymour, and has no problems leaving Audrey since it fuels Seymour's rage. Seymour teams up with Audrey too, to viciously assault Ludo and Didymus, looking for blood to feed his living mulcher.
0: I'm so glad you ended with this one. (laughs) So, Jareth enters the arena.
2: That was the right move.
0: Uses his magic, the power of the babe, to... What babe? The babe with the power. What power? (laughs) To manipulate Audrey and detect and make the scent of blood, which is pouring out of Seymour and devours him first. Not only that, she is standing there, next to her, screaming. Beside him? Beside him. (laughs) And what happens next? (laughs) He uses his power yet again! To make her look like a giant slab of bloody meat. Audrey eats her too. And how does Jareth wrap this whole battle up? With a snap of his fingers, you know, Audrey too is transported to a crystal ball where she will remain, dancing with hundreds of people in the ballroom, you know, and enjoying her life as she devours the individuals in there.
1: Unfortunately... The crowd does not take well to Jareth attempting to manipulate the mind of a plant. And therefore, you will need to come up with a rapid fire other route to victory.
0: Oh, that's simply. I have magic. Fire. Roasted to death. Mm. Bam.
2: I don't know that we ever saw anything in Labyrinth that would indicate he
0: could throw fireballs. He is a full blown magician wizard.
2: Yeah, he's a goblin
0: king. He is a goblin king that has all magical abilities. If you I read the book, yeah, I mean, he does have all sorts of magical abilities. He's had made things appear, disappear. Uh, it's That's not true. very He's hard. an illusionist. And in the labyrinth, he can control that
2: environment, but he's not in the labyrinth anymore. So outside the labyrinth, we know of evidence where he has transmogrification. He can transform himself, but we have not seen it. Well, he also did turn a scarf. Yeah, well, I'm sorry. No. A scarf into a serpent and then a serpent into Muppets. He did do that. So, but we could argue that that is illusion. He's mm-hmm. an, he is an illusionist. Not true. But Audrey too is absolutely
0: a predatory creature from another planet. No, he, you Not know, Jared is he's right. more than a, a, an illusionist. He is a wizard. He does have, he is a sorcerer. That is the proper term. He is a sorcerer. Um, however, when dealing with, with a, a, a younger girl he he uses the illusions to attract he's using charm and wit and humor in this case he doesn't need that you know he turns babies into goblins he is ruthless he he has you know brought the goblins under his control a giant space plant is nothing compared to a horde of bloodthirsty goblins
2: audrey then as a final ditch effort offers to give him her firstborn child completely
0: unattested. But that's a plant.
2: No, no, Audrey won. Audrey won. No, oh, Audrey, Audrey
0: won. Excuse me. Yeah. Still not going to win. Hmm.
2: Based on the number of goblins he has in the labyrinth, it would say that he steals an awful lot of babies. That's sort of his game. You're
0: right, but, you know, it's Seymour. It's Seymour's spawn.
2: She never said it would be his. <laughs> she never said it would be Seymour's.
1: In a, in a great and glorious uh, tradition of gaming, uh, Dan... I need you to uh, choose a number between one and 50. Man,
0: why do people always make me choose numbers? <laughs> and a gamut of one to 50 even.
2: I know, right? That's, that, that, is a, that is an that is range. So I'm gonna
0: age. go with the best number in the world, nope. which is 30.
2: I, I, I expected you to say 42, I really did.
0: No, well 30 is a Perhaps better number.
2: Choose a number. One to 50, 24.
1: We are now equidistant. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. right
0: in the middle. It is exactly too close.
1: I have some news. All right. To everyone in the arena, Jareth lifts his hand. Crystal balls begin to gyrate and steadily turn into flame. And although he casts it at Audrey 2, Audrey 2 is unfazed. She sees through the illusion and immediately bends down and eats Didymus. Oh. My lady. He <laughs> says from inside the Venus playtrap. <laughs> the number was exactly 24. Um, it was written down on the previous page as a uh, backup in case something weird happened in round three. And uh, I do actually tend to believe uh, or agree with the argument that Jareth is more of an illusionist than a full-on sorcerer have you read the book i have not but is that considered part of the main franchise
0: yes it actually is (laughs) (laughs) uh that's okay that's okay keep going keep going keep going
1: no no no. fine 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 nevertheless as all of this raucousness is going back and forth, and the crowd is devolving into squabbles over whether or not any of the things that are happening inside the stadium actually make sense, and what really is canon anyway, and why in the <laughs> world are we doing this on our holiday instead of actually eating something and spending time with each other? Yeah, he's a dream touch sorcerer. That is what it is. Mm. Mm. Your other two teams burst into the stadium. Gentlemen, you will each have one minute oh, no. to describe how your other teams will join the fray. I would encourage oh you my gosh. to make this as exciting and crazy as possible. I understand that this is a bit of an exercise. Who would like to go first? I'll go
0: first. Please do. Because
1: I'm going to cross the streams, man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and not only that, I have death. I am armed with death and Hard rock music. <laughs> so
2: you have the soundtrack. The ride,
0: you know, the Valkyries are going to be playing. The sound of the, oh, the hymn of the Valkyries. Oh man, I'm, I'm botching that up. I can't even think of the name of the song right now. <laughs> because I'm so excited about this. It's going to be jamming in the background. You know, while death is soaring over the cross streams. And I'm just zipping back and forth. All four Ghostbusters, you know, they're just going across. Particle beams, nuclear accelerators, proton accelerators on their back are just frying things left and right. Who cares about Jason Nesmith and his team? Who cares about, you know, the crew of the Firefly because they're just getting (laughs) nuked. And all death has to do is touch them. Bing! and they're all dropping dead. (laughs) You
2: would think so, except that the Firefly team has River Tam with her psychic ability and her precognition. She's able to duck, duck, dip, dive, and dodge the entire time. Also, Sergeant Chen, uh, Tony Shalhoub, uh, beams back aboard the Protector and then uses his skill not only to remove the rock obstacles, but also to remove any great threat in the arena voiping them out into the emptiness of space of course that wouldn't necessarily hurt jareth per se but it could tie him up for a minute uh and that uh the firefly crew can then run in with their several firearms and explosives thank you jane for bringing the grenades today Lobbing bullets and explosives at their enemies all throughout the arena
1: Mm. In all of the chaos, it's entirely unclear who would win at present. And so, we will leave it on that cliffhanger. Friends at home, please do the best to extrapolate from that chaos. But nevertheless, there is something even more important than story right now, and that is points. I just have to say, can you kill death? He's already dead. But you can beat him at
2: checkers. (laughs) And apparently
1: there are rules, so... (laughs) Krebs, the danger category... For the Little Shop of Horrors crew, on a scale of one to ten,
2: um, I really had to stretch. Uh, I I felt like they had a good team cohesion because one begot the other in terms of strength. Um, but uh, if I, in terms of danger, the danger really comes from Audrey too. She carries. She's the carry there. Second is Seymour, and Audrey is really just the bait. I'm going to go with a 7 because Audrey 2 is a ferocious alien predator.
1: Dan, 1 to 10 for Little Shop of Horrors. Little Shop of Horrors.
0: <clears throat> I'm going to have to disagree. The most danger of that entire team is Audrey. Two. Seymour? 2. Audrey 2. You're right. Audrey 1, not much. She's bait. She gets beat up, knocked around by a dentist. You know... And it takes Seymour to kill him before she finally does anything. Seymour is manipulated by a plant. That doesn't go very well. I mean, intelligence-wise, it's pretty low. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, so Audrey too is the bulk of that danger. I'm going to have to go with a 6. I'll be honest. I thought you were going to
2: go
1: with a 5. Yeah. So I'll
0: take the 6. I'll, I'll go with the 6 because, you know, it is a giant man-eating She's plant. an alien. Yeah, and yeah. she's an
1: alien. Dan, one to ten for Labyrinth in danger.
0: Man, I, I, I want to go... I I still, I still feel confident with this. A nine. You know, mm. Ludo can... I mean, rocks bowl over everyone. You know, it doesn't matter if you're firing guns or not. Those rocks are charging in. Didymus is fast. He's quick. He's smart. He's brilliant. And Jareth is just a cunning sorcerer. And he has survived for countless millennia, preying upon the innocent... Uh, deceiving, using his magic, whatever. I don't, you know, when it comes to magic and stuff like that, I think he's got the upper hand.
2: I, uh, so you went with a nine? Yeah. I agree that Jareth is the threat. Jareth is the one that has all the power here. Uh, Ludo is a powerful, um, is a powerful giant of a furry creature, absolutely uh didymus is interesting though so ludo let's go back to him for a second if you can establish any sense of friendship with him anything at all then he's not there to do you any harm uh and he can be sort of easily cajoled into doing what you want him to do as long as he sees you as a friend didymus you could monty python him into uh into an infinite argument and he'd be useless jareth is the threat. and Didymus, even when he's involved in fighting, he's just a really spastic Yorkie. So I want to go with, um, I, I'd give a seven though. I would give a have seven. Have you ever
0: fought a spastic yes. Yorkie? Yes, I have.
1: Yeah. I have too. And, and,
0: you know, and <laughs> that's why I gave it a seven. Or argue with Ludo, you know. His even rock power is impressive. His rock power, but he will fight for his friends. He will fight for yeah. his friends. That's true. Even if you try to be a friend, he's not going to backstab his well, If you are his, his friend. friend,
2: he has a hard time choosing between his
0: that friends. That is true points. gentlemen. points.
1: Thank you both for being here. It has been a wonderful holiday edition of the Rad Dome. Uh, And before
2: we get to the final determination, I just want to say, really good fight, Dan. That's awesome. This was fun. This was a really good one. Okay, I'm ready for the results.
1: Now I do have to say in relationship to some of the other rad domes that we have done, these teams have actually not scored very well, but that's okay because it's the holidays. Well, no, <laughs> that
0: we literally just formed these teams minutes
1: before. <laughs> Absolutely, how dare you? No, that this okay. show is heavily scripted. <laughs> we spend months researching and putting together all of the fine details. We do, and, and then don't do anything with them.
2: We focus group these. We shop these.
1: And, and we definitely always remember the prompt that you were supposed to bring <laughs> to the table so that everybody could do their research and be ready to present. Yes. Every time. Yes. E- every single time. I'm just time. making
0: it sound like we're all through, doing it at the spur of the moment to make it sound cool. Yeah. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Sure. That's what it is. Uh, yes.
1: But nevertheless, today there was a difference of seven points between the two teams. Ooh, Wow. Which is very, very good. Respectable. Respectable uh, closeness there. As a reminder, round one was won by Dan. It really was in a score of twenty-four to twelve. Oof, oof! Round wow,
2: twenty-four. Not, to That was decisive. That was like a, a not
1: good job, Dan. Not a not a super high-scoring round for either team. No, relative. But there to was a big gap. There's history. a huge gap.
2: I mean, twice <laughs> twice <laughs> as many points. Well done, Dan.
1: Round two was won by Krebs, thirty-seven to twenty-nine. Okay. Okay. A little bit closer, but... Not as big a gap. Yeah. Mm. Round three was a difference of three points. Dan took it and won the Rad Dome. Yeah! (laughs) Woo! That is two! Thank you all for participating. I didn't think I was going to (laughs) win.
0: I I thought I had to. I really (laughs) did. Oh,
1: man. Now, as a reminder to all of our friends who are playing at home... All of these points are arbitrary. They mean <laughs> nothing, and we are not saying that any one franchise is better than any other franchise, but... Yes, we are. <laughs> please,
2: please do not send Elton hate mail.
1: The, the goal here is to have good fun, and we hope that you have fun as well. Uh, in fact, if you would like to play at home, we are going to make available... The rules for today's episode, as well as the teams that these two fine gentlemen had the opportunity to choose between. You'll notice that there are a couple of teams who you might have expected to make it into the Rad Dome, but because they were mutually chosen, they were excluded from the roster, which made for a very fun and interesting game. In the future editions of Rad Dome, we're going to be refining the rules a little more, and every time we're going to introduce new fun and exciting things. If you have input into what you would like to see in a future Rad Dome, Please reach out to us. We love you. We miss you. We are so looking forward to the holidays and getting past the holidays. But thank you for joining us today. Dan? Ah, uh, very simply, with that said, we're out of here. And regardless of how many points you earn, tell your story, whatever may come.
2: And always remember be epic, don't suck, and happy Geeks Giving, everyone.
1: Remember,
0: the Force will be with you always.